You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. We are talking injuries again today. Uh, some interesting insight. I, I, I want to talk to you, Croc, about this one because uh, you went live with Grant Cohn, Will Blackman, former NFL DB, uh, some other folks, Evan Sowards, who's big on, is it Sowards or Sowards? Both. Both. Okay, either <laughs> or. Okay, good. I know you've argued with him about in and out Burger a lot uh, on Twitter. He's big on 49ers Twitter. So uh, you went live with some folks talking about the 49ers injury. So I want to get into that conversation you had Wednesday uh, live on YouTube. You can go find that on Eric's channel, Croc Talk TV. Uh, but I want to get into a little bit of that now, some questions and an interesting list put out by Pro Football Focus that has the worst first round draft pick at every slot in the first round since 2006, which is when PFF data begins. So uh, I think that'll be a fun conversation there to uh, to look at some of the bad picks that have happened around the NFL. A couple of them 49ers. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me and get those questions in. At Eric underscore Crocker. Let's start with your Croc Talk Live, Eric. And uh, this spawned, this was something that just came up out of nowhere, right? Because you were arguing with some folks and you said, you know what? Let's do it face-to-face. Let's do it live on the YouTube channel. And then you reached out to your buddy, Will Blackman, who jumped into it too. That's awesome. Yeah, so I mean, right away, you know, we were having this discussion. I call it discussion. You can call it a disagreement or argument, <laughs> you know, however you want to take Did, it. Was it getting and heated? It, I wouldn't say it was getting heated, but you could tell I had my stance and they each had their own stance. And my thing was, you know, everything that I, the way I look at it most of the time is from a player's perspective. So that, that's the, just the perspective that I typically look from it, from that, you know, from player and possibly kind of like a coach's perspective as well. And a lot of these things that I, the way I see it is a lot of bad luck, right? I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast uh, from yesterday. Like that's just kind of how I see it. And we're going back and forth. And I'm like, you know what? Stop talking about it. Let's just go live, and I think that that would be cool to where we can kind of get our verbalize our points m- more, and it would probably be for a better discussion. So they were like, cool, let's do it, 10 a.m. I'm like, all right, I'll be there, right? So I call up my buddy, Will Blackman, and I say, hey, Will, what are you going to be doing in about 20 minutes? He said, whatever you need me to do. I said, great. So for those of you who don't know, Will Blackman, 12-year NFL veteran, played for four different teams, um, including the Packers. Once uh, Did not win a pa- uh, Super Bowl with the Packers. Did he? Played with the Packers. He was drafted by them, won a Super Bowl with the New York Giants. Also played with Jacksonville and Washington uh, football team. Uh, so, you, so Will, I wanted to get his kind of expertise on it. I've been in one NFL offseason, you know, OTAs, uh, training camp, mini camps, you know, uh, preseason, all that. But, you know, that's just one way of doing things, one team. So I wanted to get somebody else on there that had been in 12 NFL offseasons, OTAs, and kind of let us know how the whole process went and what was the differences between these different teams. Yeah, and a guy who's seen, yeah, all different teams and how different franchises do different things and how it's changed over the course of his 10-year career, which I'm sure is is really good perspective. And by the way a great special teams player, something that Eric Crocker's too much of a prima donna to do and play special teams. So shout out to Will Blackman. 
Yeah, he was a great return man. I wasn't blessed to, uh, with that type of athleticism. He always gives great insight. I, I remember asking him a while back, and this is kind of, I'll get back on track here, but, you know, his first start at Boston College, he had to guard Andre Johnson from Miami. And he was a true freshman going up against this grown man, Andre Johnson, at the U. That, that's got to be kind of intimidating, right? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, that dude was a specimen. So, uh, And you're a freshman, and he's, what, probably a junior about to enter the NFL draft and be a top three pick. Was he the second pick or third pick, Andre Johnson? He was up there. He was top yeah. five. I mean, a dude, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, built, and that's your first assignment. That's fun. Yeah, pretty tough. But Will had some great insightful uh, views on the on this whole thing, you know. And again, if you guys want to check out the entire video, it's almost an hour long, but it's on Crock Talk TV. Maybe I'll try to cut it up into different segments. But I think overall, you had Grant and you had Evan kind of putting it on the organization, putting it on the coaches, and basically making them responsible for these guys getting hurt. Will kind of put it more so on the players and their preparation, basically saying that a lot of it, you know, utilize all of your resources. Um, he thinks that a lot of it tends from tends to kind of happen from overtraining in the offseason with not enough recovery. So, you know, he, he says you can go hard in your workouts, but as hard as you go in your workouts, you need to go equally as hard in your recovery. And everything shouldn't be going a thousand miles an hour in the off season, you kind of need your rest. And he thinks that maybe some of these injuries are happening because guys are so worn down from all the training that they've been doing. And then you get to OTAs and boom, injuries happen. And so it sounds like he, and that's just a small portion of the conversation, but it sounds like he thinks that a lot of the injuries and things that are happening are kind of occurring more from the player uh, maybe not doing something right in the offseason as they head over into OTAs. By the way, just really quick, uh, 2002, University of Miami versus Boston College. Miami won 38-6. to Andre Johnson, though, only three catches. So well, Maybe Will did a great job. job <laughs> he did get a touchdown. It looks like it's maybe a long touchdown, too, because his three catches went for 70-something yards, and he did have a score. So he might have got him one time, but not bad. Not bad. Yeah. yeah I, so I, I, I mean, I'm obviously going to side with Will Blackman on this. He has the most insight. He's been through it, and it, it kind of makes the most sense, too. I, and I know from a 49ers perspective, and you're not on the field, you're not in the locker room, you want to f try to find blame and, and point it somewhere and say uh, it's, you know, the coaching staff, it's the training staff, and you want to have just one answer for it, but that's, it's just so hard to do. You know, funny thing they said, said second year NFL quarterback at this time, Russell Wilson sat down with Will and asked Will, hey, what do you, what do, you do? Like, what do you do to, you know, stay healthy and stuff like that? And Will have been through a bunch of injuries. And it took him a while to kind of figure out which way he wanted to go with how he prepared for the NFL level and how he was going to stay healthy. But he, but Russell Wilson actually sat down with him and asked him for advice. And he told him everything. And Russell Wilson had his pen out and his pen, and he took notes down. And Will said, next thing I know, he's seeing Russell Wilson implicate everything or implement in everything that Will had told him. 
And I'm not going to say that maybe that's why Russell Wilson has never missed a game. <laughs> but I think just the way I look at that is Russell Wilson is willing to not only ask for advice, but he takes that advice and takes action. So maybe that Will Blackman, you know, conversation was a small portion of kind of helping him get on the track to being as healthy of a player as he is. But I think the bigger thing there is how he took that and utilized it. And if you go back to the Will Blackman conversation, he was talking about how there you have all the resources, but it's on the player to utilize them. And a lot of guys don't. So you, do you think when it comes to the 49ers injuries then that it's a player-by-player player basis and maybe you can look at the player and put some blame on them individually as much as you can the organization? I think you have to, right? Like when you kind of hear this different perspective, I think you have to kind of put some of it on the player. What are they doing? What are they not doing that they can control, right? Because like you said, you need to put just as much effort into your workouts as you do into your recovery. And maybe that's a step that maybe some guys are m- missing or skipping out on. I mean, hell, look at LeBron James. We we hear about it every year, right? You know, when, once the season comes and they talk about LeBron James, he spends a million plus dollars on his training, his recovery, and all these different things to take care of his body. Now, not everybody has <laughs> the money to do mm-hmm. that, but that just shows the importance that he puts on trying to stay healthy. And I think other guys – yeah, you can't invest a million dollars into it, but invest a little bit of something to where it's going to help you in the long haul. TB12 method. Maybe more people need to invest in the TB12 method because Tom Brady uh, has been doing it forever and it's worked out pretty well for him. Although Jimmy Garoppolo, we've seen how often he's getting hurt and he does a lot of the TB12 stuff and, and knows what that was all about firsthand. So sometimes... He's not, he, He's missing one step. He's oh. not even. He's not eating the avocado ice cream. <laughs> it's all about the avocado ice cream, the good fats. You need those good fats in you for sure. Um, yeah. You know what's interesting though, and because uh, a lot of talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Actually, you know what? Hold on. Let's pause on that. Let's talk to Jimmy Garoppolo specifically a little bit. Uh, a little bit more about some injury stuff, and we do have some questions on that. And then we'll get to the worst first round picks since two thousand six coming up. Bet online is the fastest easiest way to bet on all your sports action baseball season full swing it's going to be going all summer long baseball just about every single day you can track all that at bet online get all the latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs major league baseball nba nhl ufc mma action there's triple crown horse racing there's golf there is reality tv table games poker anything you want to get in on, you can find that action at betonline.ag. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop, mobile device, desktop, computer, whatever you got. A 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head to betonline.ag today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on. BetOnline. Your online sportsbook experts. Crazy time when it comes to the 49ers. Injuries, trying to find answers. I'm not sure if there's an exact answer. I So this is where my brain went. When I heard about Jimmy Garoppolo and saw him, he's a little bit bulked up and, and maybe changed his body a little bit in the offseason, trying to get stronger maybe and prevent some of those injuries. But I looked at him in a t-shirt walking in, looking a little beefier. 
And he said his weight is not up. He's just a little, you know, just changed his body a little bit. It's like, how does having bigger biceps and bigger pecs help you from not getting a high ankle sprain? Like that, that's one thing that I never really understood about this. Um, I understand you want to be stronger everywhere, but, you know, being rocked up is not going to help you with a lower leg soft tissue injury either. It's definitely not. And his lower body has been a bulk of his injuries as, as yep. far as the 49ers go. Now, he did hurt his shoulder, um, you know, in his what it, with the New England Patriots mm-hmm. in his second start there. Yeah, he had I, I there think, was a shoulder and an ankle, I think, were his injuries with the Patriots. And his ACL was non-contact. Right. Yeah. Non-contact. So, you know, I think some of it is you, you look at, you know, the bigger biceps and, and all of that. But I think maybe some of it can also be just adding just muscle to certain areas in his body and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, he worked out his lower body as well as his upper body right. to maybe withstand, you know, some of these, you know, injuries. When, when he got hurt in the Jets game, I don't know if you remember the play, but he kind of just got slapped in the ankle, right? Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> I remember seeing that play, not thinking it looked like something that would be a major injury. But I thought the same thing about the against the Chiefs when he tore his ACL too. Right. So, and, but at least with the Chiefs, when you watch the replay, you can see his kind of knee buckle in yeah. a little bit. And again, some of those things we talked about how, hey, if you ask a trainer, there's ways that you can kind of train to strengthen those muscles and tendons around that to make it to where it kind of prevents your knee from buckling in that way. Maybe that could have prevented his ACL tear. You look at um, that ankle injury and maybe it just, you know, if he's maybe stronger somewhere else, you know, when there's his quads or ankle. I don't know. I'm kind of mm-hmm. looking for answers here, but. Maybe if he was overall stronger, that would prevent him from somebody just slapping his ankle and him completely just kind of buckling to the ground and resulting in a high ankle sprain that he, you know, it caused him issues all year. Here's another angle of this, Crocker, and this is going into something else, something deeper, something maybe even supernatural, some voodoo that's been put on the 49ers at Levi's stadium since that opened and this one from calico 509 he says it's that damn seahawk brick at levi stadium i'm telling y'all it's got to go and then he implores you and i crocker that we should work some magic maybe use our resources we've got to raise some awareness at least on the podcast about getting this seahawk brick removed from levi's stadium and apparently uh when levi's first opened you could go buy a brick and the same uh not at&t park anymore but um what is the the san francisco giants stadium called now monster no No. it was monster for a little Uh, bit it's uh it's oracle park oracle that's what it is okay yeah so so many times it was pack bell (laughs) it was was pack bell when when a lot of this was happening but you could buy a brick and you get your name on your breaker have it say whatever you want and it's put you know on the sidewalk and levi stadium uh took that idea and has a similar thing going on there and apparently some seahawks fans got together and they put a seahawk brick in there and 49ers fans obviously do not like that and i can't believe that even got past quality control and they allowed them to do that i agree that brick's got to go but i don't think it has anything to do with the injuries but what do you think is there a little voodoo on this stadium because there's been some issues with Levi stadiums ever since it opened. I, you know, I didn't know anything about that brick until just now. And well, until I read that tweet, that's kind of surprising that they did let that happen. Right. I mean, yeah. that's your arch enemy, you know, <laughs> and, and you kind of let them kind of have their way with something there. I, I feel like yeah. you have to reject that, give them their money back or something. Yeah. Like you can't put any curse words or anything on your brick. And, and I think Seahawk should have been one of the curse words that they were looking out for with those things. 
Right. Yeah. So um, obviously we don't want to say that that has something to do with it, but probably doesn't help. I think ultimately the, the players have to look at this and use these injuries as a wake up call for themselves and figure out what they can do better to prevent them from having these injuries, especially early on in, you know, off season and OTA. So I, I think that, you know, you, you have to look at your individual and that's what you're saying, right? Like, they're kind of individual situations with some of these injuries. The players have to figure out what they can do. And a lot of it starts with taking care of your body in the offseason, maybe not overworking and having the proper recovery. Yeah, uh, I agree. And it's on an individual player basis. Um, it's every team's different. Every service is different. Uh, it's, sometimes it's bad luck. There's nothing you can do about some of the injuries. But when one team's getting more than everybody else, you, you got to take a hard look. You got to figure something out. So um, we'll we'll see if the 49ers come to that conclusion. And we will hear from Kyle Shanahan on the subject. We, he has not done his press conference at the time of this recording. So Friday's pod, we will hear from Kyle Shanahan and his press conference talking about injuries, no doubt. And he'll be asked a ton of these questions and we'll see what he has to say about it. And I have a feeling uh, what he thinks about it is something that sounds... Maybe a little bit like this. I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. So that, that's probably what he's going to say. I bet Kyle Shanahan's going to say something like, well, any player can get injured. I can get hurt. I think Fred Warner said something like that recently, too. He's like, oh, I can get hurt at the grocery store. I bet that's what Kyle Shanahan is going to say in his press conference. So I'm calling my shot right now on that one. Um, and we'll hear from Kyle Shanahan. We'll talk about that on Friday's episode. One question here, not about injuries, but it was an interesting one. I wanted to get to it yesterday. We did not get to it with Wink. This is from 49er Scout. What role do you see Samson Abukam having on defense? I've heard he will play edge, but he is currently listed as a strong side linebacker. What if they utilize him as a blitzing linebacker and to cover running backs and tight ends? He is very athletic and versatile. What do you think about Samson Abukam's role on defense? I will say first that the depth charts you see out there are PR related and you can't really look at them position specific and, and how they're going to be used because that's just not it's, it's just inaccurate so I wouldn't look too much at the official depth charts and how they're listed on 49ers.com as much but I think he could be used in a lot of ways what do you think rock you know I look at D4 and I think you know 49ers already have a, a defensive end in Eric Armstead like he is their base Four three end mm -hmm. right, and on the other side, obviously Nick Bosa. He ain't coming off the field, so I, you know, when you look at Ebicom, I would assume that they want to put him in some type of role where they can just, hey, just go get the quarterback. That's what they wanted from D four. Obviously, he's been banged up. We'll see if he even plays this year. Maybe he does, but I could see him being in that type of role where it's like use your speed, use your athleticism. We have our anchor on the other side. Just come in, go get the quarterback. You don't have to be an every down four three end. I think both for that, we got Eric Armstead. But I need you to go get that quarterback, and I could see him being in that type of role. He's not being paid a ton either. I think it's two years, $12 million. So that is sort of you know high-end backup money, low-end starter money. So I see a rotational player. And the question is, how is he going to be used in base? Because I think you nailed it when it comes to passing downs. He's a pass rusher. He's an edge player. He's gonna They're going to be utilizing that speed coming off the edge. I think they wanted to have a, an athletic pass rusher with D Ford out to help corral some of those more athletic quarterbacks they're going to be facing too, which has been a big problem for the 49ers defense. So number one, 
pass rusher edge. I don't care if he's in a two-point stance or a three-point stance. Uh, he's going to be getting after the quarterback. That's role number one for Abelcom. But I think he is built in a way and athletic enough that in base is the question is how he's going to be used. Will he be on the field at all in base? Will he only be a third down sort of a role-playing rusher when Eric Armstead's out there at defensive end and then he bumps inside and then you see Ibukam coming off the edge? Or will he be used as a, as a true linebacker sometimes? And I think he could do that, and I think we've seen him do that sometimes. But that's the only question I have is if he's going to be on the field at all or if he will play some strong side backer in the base defense. I think the 49ers ultimately, want, you want your depth at that rotation kind of defensive end, pass rushing type guy. So if you don't have to have him in there as, you know, like a Sam off-ball linebacker, you don't have him there. One guy, and obviously 49ers don't have Quan Alexander anymore, but you have Warner, you have Greenlaw, and then you also have Al Shire. Is that how you say yeah, his name? Yeah, yeah. Aziz Al Shire. He's who, a little, who I like. He's I, a little he's underrated. He's a little underrated. I think he mm-hmm. does well with what they ask of him to do. Now, if, knock on wood, Fred Warner goes down, do you want him filling in and have to, having to be your middle linebacker? Maybe not. But, you know, as a, you know, a 4-3 outside linebacker that really, I mean, we talk about sub packages, really not on the field all that much, especially when you have to play against the Cardinals twice a year. They're going to spread it out, especially when you have to play against the Rams twice a year. They run more 11 personnel than anyone else in the, in the NFL. So I don't think that linebacker is as important, but I think, you know, base, you'll have Al Shire there if, if, if it is kind of a run-heavy type situation. And then when it comes to that passing situation, you can slide Armstead inside and have somebody like Ebicom coming off that edge. So uh, I wouldn't think that we'd see him a whole lot in base situations. And obviously they have Greenlaw there as an outside backer. Aziz Al Shire's the backup middle linebacker, can definitely play strong side linebacker. I like him. Abelcom could do it. But what about this, too, is Hufanga – Tony Jefferson, they just signed. Marcel Harris. What about some more dime linebacker roles fitting in there uh, as the third linebacker or even the second linebacker on some passing downs? Maybe Marcel Harris. I mean, we saw him in a role, you know, similar to that Mm -hmm. at one point last year where I'm like, man, I'm looking at all the the DBs on the field, and I'm like, okay, Marcel Harris, but he's playing kind of down more like a linebacker. And he, there was one game, I can't remember, the the, the end of the 49ers season was kind of just a blur. But at some point, he was in there at a linebacker-type position and playing well there. And I think he excels there. So he's somebody that you could slide down in that type of situation where if you want somebody that can gives you kind of a coverage ele- element but also some physicality and, you know, can move in space, I think he's your guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Hufanga could be that guy as well because some people said, oh, it's okay they drafted a fifth-round safety. It's okay that Tarverius Moore got hurt. You don't want Hufanga playing center field. He's not a free safety at all. So, um, <laughs> yeah, maybe that that dime linebacker role for him too. Maybe that's maybe that's a brand new position that we're not really giving enough credit to on that 49ers defense going forward. All right, let's move on to the worst first round draft picks since 2006. The 49ers uh, have the worst at a couple of spots. Let's get into that next. Just got back a little vacation from Lake Tahoe, and guess what? Bill Bars came in handy multiple times late night needed a little something everything's closed grab a build bar early morning breakfast on the run grab a build bar right before the back nine playing oh beautiful golf courses in lake tahoe and need a little something back nine don't want to reach for some gnarly meal just grab a little 
Built Bar, you're on your way. Protein, 17 grams of protein to be exact. Only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar in most Built Bars and only 4 grams of net carbs. Even good for a keto diet coconut coconut almond cherry raspberry mint brownie peanut butter which is my favorite double chocolate salted caramel and there's new flavors all the time like the grasshopper which was fantastic is what i had on the golf course in lake tahoe so wherever you are on vacation at home need a snack go to builtbar.com get yourself 15 percent off with promo code locked 15 that's builtbar.com promo code locked 15 this article from Pro Football Focus's Mike Renner. And every draft slot, 1 through 32, the worst first-round selections at those slots since 2006. And I think you have some guesses, Croc. There are two 49ers on this list. Which ones do you think it is? Solomon Thomas. Number, and that was number three overall guys, in 2017. Just... Oh, so both of the 2017 picks. That was Solomon Thomas at number three and Ruben Foster at, I believe, 31? Yeah. 31 or 32 that year, right? Yeah. I think it was 31. You know, it's funny because I read the article first and I and I didn't really think about who it could be in advance. And wait, 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 wait. Can I can I can I how far back does this go? Uh 2006. Yeah, because you were missing at least one big one. AJ Jenkins. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. Your first two guesses are not on the list. Neither of the 2017 picks are on the list, but there's a ton of candidates now that you think, and now that I think about it, it's like, wow, okay, yeah, it could have been either one of those guys. Absolutely at those spots, but yeah, you nailed one of them. AJ Jenkins, 30th overall in 2012. That was just wow. I remember uh, there was reports from training camp in his rookie training camp that, I mean, you'd never hear about a wide receiver that can't stand up. You know, like, how did he get through the pre-draft process and play four years of college football if he can't run around and stay on his feet? Like, that's crazy, right? Yeah, that's crazy. And, and you know, it, I remember watching it. I was watching it with some of my buddies. Um, I, I was in the arena league at this time, and we were just kind of hanging out, watching the draft. We're like, AJ Jenkins, and my buddy was watching. And he's like, and he was a receiver. He's like, y'all drafted this trash dude? Like, I can just tell from the highlights, he's not it. And that because kid, his highlights weren't even highlights. Insane. That was that Trent Baalke, like, long arms, big hands thing, and he had a good 40 time. But I remember watching him, too. It was like, maybe a third-round pick, and he had good workouts and everything. And, but all he did at Illinois, they had this gimmicky offense. He literally ran crossing routes. That's the only thing he did his entire college career. It was like, well, you're going to draft this guy in the first round? A.J. Jenkins, the pick, is the reason, well, one of the reasons I started doing the 49ers shadow drafts, too, because everybody at that point was calling Trent Baalke the draft ninja, and we're all about Trent Baalke. I was like, this guy's I don't think he's that good. And the next year, <laughs> 2013, was the first year I did the shadow 49ers. Like, you know what? I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. When the Niners are on the clock, I'm going to draft, too, and see if I can outdraft Trent Baalke, because I think I can, because I think this dude is garbage. And, uh, yeah, A.J. Jenkins, one of the worst First round picks, one of the worst draft picks, period, in 49ers history. Yeah. At the other one? Yeah. Balmer? Oh, that's a good one, too. What year was Balmer? 2008, maybe? Yeah, he's not on this list, surprisingly, because he did almost zero, too. Yeah. Wow. No, Kentuan Balmer did not make the list. It was actually, and the other thing you have to figure, you have to uh, think about is, what other players were drafted in that slot. So even as bad as Balmer was or as bad as Reuben Foster or Salma Thomas turned out, there was worse players drafted in those slots since 2006, yeah. which is amazing. And you hear all these names, it's like, wow. Uh, no, the other one that made the list for the 49ers was 28 overall. 
In 2016, the Niners moved up to grab Joshua Garnett, the guard out of Stanford. Yeah, you know, I mean, you kind of forget that they really did not get much out of him at all. Mm. I was thinking you were going to say Rashawn Woods, but you didn't say Woods. No, Woods was earlier. Woods was, I think, 2004. Okay. So he was too old, but that was enough. I liked Rashawn Woods, though, coming out of college. He just, his Mm -hmm. thing wasn't really talent. He was like more of a possession guy. He just didn't care. Like he didn't want it. He, he he's he's literally a fisherman. He wanted a fish. He did he didn't. That's a big thing with with players is they have to want it. And he he wanted to be a fisherman. He wanted to play a football player. But he was he was okay. He'd get open to catch the ball. He was better than AJ Jenkins as a prospect. That's for sure. Right. Um. But yeah, man. I mean, they they didn't get much out of Garnett. Uh. I mean, you look at like that pick, and I just remember, oh my gosh, 49ers traded up. They're drafting Michael Thomas. They're drafting Michael Thomas. Like I know they are. And come to find out, no. And also, uh, because my boy is Eric Rodgers, they told Eric Rodgers if he signs with the 49ers, they were not going to draft a receiver in the first, like, four rounds. So they were kind of looking at him to be a guy that was going to be able to take over, uh, you know, a pivotal spot on that receiver core. So much so that they bypassed drafting a guy like Michael Thomas. That's insane. That worked so out great, didn't it? It's Eric Rogers' fault. Okay, yeah, so now 100%. we can blame him instead of Balky. And he had like 14 <laughs> teams that tried to sign him. Should have went to the Vikings or something. Yeah. And I was telling him, like, dude, you got to sign with the Niners. Like, come on, man. He was like, yeah, I think I'm signed to, to the Niners. And that was a mistake. I liked Eric Rogers. <laughs> I was excited about Eric Rogers. I was like, okay, this guy's, this is a dude. This is going to be something. Um, you know what's funny? The reason Kentuan Balmer is probably not on the list is because of a pick that happened just last year in 2020, Isaiah Wilson of the Tennessee Titans, no longer a Tennessee Titan, already released and, and basically out of the NFL. I don't know if anybody uh, signed him after he was cut. Oh, the Dolphins. Okay, the Dolphins, Dolphins did. Yeah. Or did they trade for him? Or did they sign him after he was cut? Anyway, uh, yeah, so Isaiah Wilson is the pick for 29, which, you know, it might have been Kentuan Balmer if it wasn't for that yeah. pick last year. Uh, by the Tennessee Titans. And there was signs, you can see signs, like Isaiah Wilson, another one of those where he didn't love ball, there was, you know, bad, uh, he came out after his sophomore year, There's tons of reports about it. he didn't really care that much, wasn't going to work hard, like a little bit too big, that kind of thing. Joshua Garnett, though, man, well, he didn't fit the scheme for Chip Kelly. Uh, you know, he was like, had bad weight in the midsection, he was like, okay, you're going to run a bunch of outside zone and, and try to move really fast, and this is more of a power gap, sort of a guard from Stanford, power scheme guy I just didn't really see the fit I didn't see him as a player as a first rounder or especially trading up you mentioned um Michael Thomas there there was a ton of really good players that and I I was 100% convinced that Michael Thomas was the pick I was convinced I mean when you looked at the receiver court at that time they needed it yeah what they needed and I thought Michael Thomas was the best receiver in that class now this was a class with um the kid from Baylor the speedster from Baylor Fuller, Doxon, uh, 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 gosh, uh, the one from, um, gosh, La- Laquan Treadwell. Oh, Treadwell, like, yeah, so who didn't do much so at all. So they all went ahead of Michael Thomas, and I thought it was the craziest thing ever. Corey Coleman, not, actually, Corey Coleman, he was on this list from 2016, the 15th so, pick of the, pick of the yeah, Cleveland Browns. So that's who, too. Yeah. That was another one where it just didn't translate. He literally didn't come off the line of scrimmage. If they're running the ball they didn't want you to do anything because they wanted these players to conserve their energy for when they're throwing the ball. So if you saw a running play, Corey Coleman would just stand there. At least he's still playing. And he, but is he somewhere? I didn't even know he was still in the league. And he like ran on two the routes maybe. Giants? I believe he's on the Giants. 
he or he was on the Giants and then but when you look at Joshua Garnett, you know the crazy thing is I thought that he was improved when Kyle Shanahan took over. He kind of played in the preseason. He looked good. I thought he did his job. And then next thing you know, he just wasn't. I think he what hurt his pinky or something. <laughs> and then just haven't heard from him since. There was another player that I like there for the 49ers. The Shadow 49ers pick, I believe, was um, the linebacker from UCLA, whose name's I'm blanking on, went to the Jaguars. Anthony Barr? Uh, no, he went to the Jaguars. Oh, no, Miles Jack. Uh, Miles Jack. Yeah, yeah, Miles Jack. I think that was the guy that uh, I had pinned for the 49ers. But there was. Um, there was a ton of good players that were still available that were going to still be on the board for the Niners in the second round. So the trade up there on top of it didn't fit. I know it was a Chip Kelly thing where he played against him in the Pac-12 or something and thought, you know, I love, love this guy. Just, just a total head scratcher all around. I don't know. Sterling Shepard was Ster no Sterling. Um, no, no Sterling Shepard. You're right. That went to the Giants. That was a few years back. Yeah, Sterling Shepard to the Giants. Yeah, no, that was the right name. Yeah, Sterling Shepard was in that draft was right there with Michael Thomas, actually drafted in front of Michael Thomas, thought that would be a good pick for the 49ers at the top of the second round. A lot of fans have been talking about maybe that's a potential trade candidate for the current 49ers, by the way, in Sterling Shepard. And, I mean, I think the crazier thing is the initial reaction from all of it was everyone saying he wasn't the better guard even at that spot and that he should not have gone between a guy before a guy that went in the third round that people had graded higher than Garnett. Yeah. So they're like, yeah. so Garnett was a third round guy. I forget who that guard was that went third round. Uh, uh, went to the bears, ended up playing center yeah. too. Uh, I know exactly who you're talking about who. Yeah. Who was a better player. Let me, I got to look this up now. This is driving me crazy. Oh, Cody Whitehair. That's the name I'm thinking of. That went to the bears guard center. Good fit for the Niners there. Late second round pick. And then Joe Tooney was even better. Third round pick by the Patriots. And these are names we're throwing out there. These are guys at the time that we liked more than, or at least I liked more than, uh, than Joshua Garnett. So, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to do the Shadow 49ers is because I could just place one name there. And because I don't like the hindsight scouting where you're like, oh, you drafted six quarterbacks, went in front of Tom Brady. It's like, well, show me your list from that draft that you had Tom Brady as your number one quarterback, right? So uh, that's why I like to document that stuff at the time. Yeah, so the 49ers have some really good candidates for that list. Uh, we don't have time to run through all of them, but it starts with number one overall and Jamarcus Russell. Greg Robinson. Uh, Trent Richardson is the number three pick, though, so instead mm. of Solomon Thomas. you see. And Solomon Thomas, to his defense, he did contribute and was uh, an active and functional player on the Super Bowl roster. So we look at him like, oh, man, just this huge bust. But he did, you know, he played a lot. Yeah, he played, and he played on the team that drafted him through his entire rookie contract. Yeah. So there's definitely bigger busts than that, even though it was a huge pick for the 49ers and uh, it was picked so high. There's even worse picks than that, for sure. Yep. Actually, though, to be honest with you, I would argue that value-wise, the Browns got more from Trent Richardson because they were able to trade him and get something back. Right. So that they actually got more value because they traded him for, I think, a first-round pick Whereas I would take that over the four-year career of Solomon Thomas. Maybe they got that Cut your loss early, the be able pick. to recruit some value. Yeah, exactly. The pick itself, though. Was, I mean, first of all, you're drafting a running back number three. Come on. I know 2012 was a long time ago, but like uh, Leonard Fournette's on this list, number four overall. You'd think there's a much worse number four overall pick, but. Yeah. I mean, he just was a starting running back on the Super Bowl winning team last yeah. year. So maybe there's just a lot of good number four picks. Hmm. 
anyway. you would expect. I mean, yeah. that's the most talented guys. No, wait, Cleveland Farrell? When when was he picked? He was 2018, right? 19? 2019? Maybe it's just too soon and they may want to see it play out, but... Yeah, too soon. I mean, that's not looking very good. Kevin White, current 49er in 2017, the number seven overall pick for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. A lot and of 49ers I mean, on this list. Josh Rosen, the number 10 pick to the Arizona Cardinals in 2018. The Niners <laughs> dominating this, actually. They got two names on it and multiple players currently on their team from this list. Well, 49ers like talent, so I could see them, you know, picking up some guys that maybe haven't worked out on other teams. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good stuff, Croc. Let's be back tomorrow talking 49ers, Kyle Shanahan press conference. Get to the bottom of some of these injuries. What's going on here? Then we're going to get back into our scouting reports on some of the 49ers' newest rookies, everything going on with the 49ers leading up to training camp, the best camp battles, project the roster. There's a ton of things we're going to do this offseason. Come back with us every day right here, Locked on 49ers.